Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally, and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. So I want to take you back to the good old days before the start of 2020. <laughs> before the, uh, the C word. And we go back to just before... That So in, the, in 2019, December 29, you probably remember that most of the east coast of Australia was on fire. Remember that? And even Kangaroo Island, everywhere. It, wherever, there was this haze of smoke over our property in Penaroo almost every day, from those, even from those fires. And then we had one that came quite close to our place, at our property, and all of a sudden um, the constant CFS messages we were getting saying to develop a fire plan came to fruition. We thought, okay, we haven't got a fire plan. And it was said there was this near miss. I thought, perhaps we'd better develop ourselves a fire plan. So part of that was to build a go bag. That was one of the recommendations, to build a go bag, to have something there ready to go when the time came so you didn't have to spend your time fluffing about trying to find things you need to take, which would have been me. What do you think I've got in my my go bag today? (laughs) You know me too well, Lynn. Chocolate. Well done, Lynn. Chocolate. Any other ideas? Any other clues? More chocolate. <laughs> no. No, I didn't know. I haven't known. How about this? Photo albums. We had all of our photo albums stacked in. It was, like, it was a really large suitcase. We had a photo album with all our photo albums stacked in there. What else did I have in my bag? My iPad, that's my brain, that's right. I think we, might, we may have had the computer sitting in the bag just in case when that... For ID, so I, didn't, I left my passport at the farm. So we had all our passports, all our birth certificates stacked in that bag. One other thing that I had in my bag was... some cash. Some cash in case we lost our cards or something changed. And one other item which we had, which was very frightening for me, was um, a large woolen blanket. So that in the event that and the story goes, that if you're caught in a fire and a burnover, you cover yourself with a wooden blanket and it's in the bottom of the car, which is just to me, just to, to be, biggest belief to me to think about what that might be like to be in that situation. So we were ready. And this morning I wanted to talk about, about being ready in, those, in the moment of, of uh, readiness. I also <coughs> excuse me, read a story in the, about the final moments of the sinking of the Titanic. There was a wealthy woman who was one of the first class travellers on that journey and as she was being shepherded towards the lifeboats to catch the boat, she suddenly broke ranks and went back to her, to, back to her stateroom to collect something. What do you think she went back to go to get? Jewellery? Cash maybe? Husband? <laughs> she came back with oranges. She reached into a bag and grabbed the, a little small bag of oranges which she had stashed in her room. It wasn't a lot of cash, it wasn't the expensive clothes, it wasn't her beautiful jewellery. She had a revelation as she went on that lifeboat. She realised what was going to be important as she dropped herself into the cold waters of the Atlantic. She understood what was going to be valuable to her at that point. And I've said many times before, we talk about those moments in our life when all the price tags change and we... And, um, 
we shared that many times and I'll continue to talk about that because it's a really important thing in our faith journey to understand those, what those defining moments mean for us. Yeah. Instantaneously priceless things become worthless, worthless things become priceless. Yeah. So I preferred those three small oranges, the two small oranges, to any crate of diamonds or any wealth that she could have in the world. Yeah. And I'm sure they've all had moments when personally and as a nation we've, and as the world community, we thought, you know, what's going on here? What's, what's the, we can, I can think of, I'm quite old, believe it or not. But um, the world war, I didn't go through the world wars, but you know, the, those moments when the people were confronted with a world war, what that meant for them, what, did they, what were they thinking at that point? Um, any of you went through uh, September 11, 2001? I remember that vividly when the, the planes began to hit the buildings in America. Barb and I were up, Barb was feeding a baby and we were watching it play out live in, in front of our very eyes on the television. And, you know, it's at the end of days. We begin to talk about that. Is, 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 is this it? Is this when we should be looking to see um, the return of Jesus? Is that what we should be looking for at that point? When those moments come, those, real, those, those defining moments. Yeah. And we understand that Jesus told us that he's coming back. And it's been interesting, over the last three years, I've had more conversations about that, about that, that, that prospect that is, is, is the fact that is Jesus coming back. There's the, the turmoil and the, the rumours of wars and wars that we see. People are, are certainly on, the, on our minds. We can be reflecting on what that might mean for us. Um, our former beloved Prime Minister, Mr John Howard, used to tell us that we need to be alert but not alarmed. Alert but not alarmed. Are we ready? Are we ready? And it reminded me of the parable of the ten bridesmaids that's in Matthew 25. I've asked Daniel to come and share that with us as well. Because he's got dulcet tones. He speaks so beautifully. I'm going to get him to read that scripture to us. Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Thanks, man. Thanks, Pastor Paul. Okay, Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for the lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord. Open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. It really, that's a sobering scripture. It takes me back to, I remember the first time I heard that scripture as a, about an eight-year-old boy in the Perula Methodist Church as the, the pastor shared that. The other memory it evokes for me is this there was an old uh, chorus which is sing, which was, Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. I'd see, like I said, some of the more 
mature members are remembering that, that thing. But I, it, and I, I do remember that sense of real um, almost conviction when, I, when that scripture was shared, um, even as a, as a young boy at eight years of age, what that meant for me. Am I ready? Um, and there's so much in that scripture. As I've sat there, even as I was sitting in the front row this morning, as I was reflecting on, the, on that scripture, and God was just continuing to give me more downloads of things that I want to share, but I've, I'm going to try and stay with the script if I can, because I'm going to, I don't want to stay with it. I'll drift off. I'll could end up anywhere. Next time, to be continued. I guess to understand the context of that scripture, is the, it's about the mechanics of, a, of the wedding, the wedding process. Um, it's springtime, and so it is, of course, wedding season, isn't it? Everywhere, everywhere. Look, there's people getting organised to be married. A lot of weddings yesterday. Who would have their wedding on the AFL Grand Final? But apparently, it was. It was a popular day to be getting, to be married. Um, and my experience of weddings is that the focus is on the bride. My advice, to, advice I received as I got ready to, for, to be married was just simply to turn up. That was, my, that's all, that was my brief, was just to get there. That was it. And um, in our culture, and certainly when, we, when Barb and I got married, it was the bride's family that, fitted, that footed the bill. They, so they had the control. When Barb and I were married, they, her family got to say how many people were invited and they had the first choice of the guest list at that point. They had that choice to make that, which is... That, again, they were paying the bill. That's 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 great. That's that's the way it should be. Things have changed a little bit more now. I think I think that it's more of an equal split. When the not sure. Don't get married, tell him just yet. I'm going to save save my pennies. Yeah. Well, the Eastern tradition was much different, of course. With, and if we read the story, it seems like the focus is on the bridegroom. He comes and he pays. A bride price for his beloved when he comes to, re- to receive her. He pays for the banquet. And so the focus is on him. Is on him. Jesus is our bridegroom. Jesus, as Barbara shared, has paid it all for us, has borne the sin of the world for us as individuals. He paid for his bride. And he'll come back when he's ready. And he gets to say who gets to come to the party. The groom comes and collects his bride and the bridesmaids. Honour and duty is to wait there and light the way as a world community, to light the path for that wedding party. As we know, it's never going to sure when he's going to turn up, whether it's going to be in the night time or the daytime. Not sure. So they had to be ready. And it would be highly embarrassing not to be on the roadside to light the way for the bridegroom. So that's the background of the picture. Jesus draws here. There are ten young women waiting to join the wedding party. They're expected and waiting for the bridegroom and the bride. It's a position we find ourselves waiting for Jesus. How do we prepare ourselves? What are some of the lessons that we can learn from the parable? I just want to share, as I said before, just a couple of snippets, not the whole, because there's so much in that, if we reflect on that. Just one or two points that really speaks to me about how we can be ready. Please give us some of your oil, was the cry of the, f- the five foolish virgins. The Greek word based for that is moros, which is uh, the word... 
which is, the, again, the base word for moron. So, so they, they weren't very complimentary about how, how they thought about their preparations. First, we need to understand that some things cannot be borrowed. Some things cannot be borrowed. Um, I spoke about my little Perulate Methodist church where I was raised. My parents were both saved in the Billy Graham Crusades many years ago and I was blessed to be raised in a family of faith, of genuine faith. They shared that faith with me on that journey. I never trade that, um, that heritage for anything and it has provided incredible foundation. But I must have an active relationship with God in order to be ready. I need to be in that place of constant refreshing when our bridegroom comes I'm not going to be able to borrow from my parents I'm not going to be able to borrow from Barb I'm not going to be able to borrow from you guys it's going to be down to me and my relationship with him at that point it's what I've done to prepare myself that will count there's a few things I want to a few things that I want to talk about that we need to prepare ourselves with which we cannot borrow the first one is our faith we just talked about that each of us must negotiate our own salvation with God. We can nominate our children for their education, can't we? We can put their names down to, to go to a special school. We can put their names down to join the MC, to be a member of the MCC or the SACA or whatever club you want to be of. But we can't. We, that's not an option in the kingdom of God. Everything must come before God, and develop, everyone must come before God and develop our faith in Him. The question is, what are we going? How are we going to respond to the person of Jesus? Barbara shared so beautifully the story of the cross. How are we going to respond to that message of redemption? That's the question we must answer. We serve a personal God who deals with us on a one-to-one personal basis. He makes His living word speaks to us as individuals. Number two is our character. Character is another way, which we, another area which we cannot borrow from anyone. Either we are people of character, or we're not. We understand the oyster. It takes an irritation, doesn't it? A little bit of grit to get into an oyster to develop a pearl. The definition of a character: how your dog would describe you acting when no one else was around. How would your dog describe you if no one else was around? Yeah. It's our desire to live, live an honourable life. Even when there's no gain in it for us, even when nobody will notice, even when it costs us, that is what God measures us by, I believe. That is the gold and the jewels. That is the authentic us that he seeks to find and, and develop. third one is fruit, the fruit of our lives. It's a cleansing day for me. I've got a bit of a confession to make. So in my school years, in my latter school years when I was doing my senior maths, uh, I was um, renowned for not doing my homework. I wouldn't do it and I would um, come to school. But I had one of my dear friend's classmates who was very good at mathematics and she was kind enough to give me the answers which I would put on my desk, and if the teacher would ask me, I would simply give him, give him the answer. Now, the only problem came at that moment when he wanted to see my, my calculations and my working out, which, of course, inevitably happened as I did the journey. I got caught more than once. 
Yeah. I needed good sound results. When we come to our Christian fruit, we cannot borrow someone else's results. It will be marked on the results of our lives. Hmm. Yeah, it's easy to get in and, and be a part of something good, but we, we're called to develop our own fruit in our own lives. What fruit are we producing in our lives? The ten foolish virgins tried to borrow, although they could not. There are some things in life that we cannot borrow. But while they were going to buy oil, the bridegroom came. This is the second thing I want to talk about. There are some things that cannot be put off to the end. Our parable tells us how the foolish virgins put, put, were put out of the gathering for more oil till later. They could have slipped out in the daytime and been back in time on the evening or they could have purchased extra before they came, couldn't they? They could have done the same thing. They could have chosen not to be a moros. They could have chosen to be wise and discerning. They always thought that they had more time. They always thought that they had more time. Hebrews chapter 2, 1 to 3 says this, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation, if we ignore the person of Jesus on the cross? That it was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered by, to us by those who heard him speak. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? What are we going to do with the person of Jesus and the cross? There's a quote that says that wisdom consists of the anticipation of consequences. Wisdom consists of the anticipation of consequences. Hmm. A question again. How has this worked out in your life? What have you looked ahead to and what changes have you made on your journey and on your faith journey? That's just a question to reflect on this week. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. So the parable tells us that if we're not prepared, we can miss out on a great opportunity. A great opportunity. What is a lamp without oil? What, what, what use is it? Let's bring it into the 20th century. You go, power goes off, you go to the shop, go to the drawer to get out your torch. You've got a flat torch with flat batteries. What is it? It's not even a fashion, or it's not a... It's not a fascist statement, it's, it's really a paperweight maybe, but it's not really worth anything to anybody at that point. Yeah, anything except for what it was intended to be used for. John Wesley, the founder of the, of the Methodist Church, was asked what he would do if he knew that the Lord was coming back the next day. And he responded in, sort of in these words. He said, I would go to bed and go to sleep, wake up in the morning and go on with my work, for I would want him to find me doing me what he had appointed. Yeah. Yeah. Doing what we're doing. In amongst that, because I said it's a really sobering scripture to read, but there's a great message of grace in it as well. I want to reflect on the fact that there's a great message of grace in amongst that as well. Because if you read that scripture, it says that all the bridesmaids, both the wise and the foolish, became drowsy and they all fell asleep. They all fell asleep. 
And the reality of our journey, friends, is that we all get tired, don't we? We all stumble. We all come unstuck. We all come unstuck. And for us, that's when that flask of oil we draw off comes into its own. Those wells of refreshing dug earlier will stand us in good stead. Um, The disciplines of prayer, of reading the word, of fellowship. It's so important that we fellowship together as people of faith. It's that's the, things, that's the thing that will help us to build up and to fill up our flask as we do the journey together. Faithfulness isn't always getting it right. Faithfulness isn't always getting it right. Neither it is a mecha- it's not a mechanical turn up every Sunday, regimented, white knuckled, have to be there sense either. That's not faithfulness. I don't believe that's faithless for us. Faithfulness, faithfulness for us focuses on the bridegroom. Faithfulness is a commitment developing our own character. Oftentimes we can quite easily see what's wrong with the person standing in front of us. But God calls us to, to reflect and to build our own character. That's the most important thing that we do as leaders in this place. That's the most important thing we can do is, is spend our time focusing on our character and our, what God's showing us in our own lives. That's a really important thing. And faithfulness produces fruit. Faithfulness produces fruit as we do the journey together. So how do we prepare today for tomorrow? Yeah. On that Titanic journey, the woman has an intense moment which changed her values. How can we keep our focus in the waiting? While we're in that waiting, how can we keep our focus as people of faith? Number one, keep our eyes fixed on him. Keep our eyes fixed on him. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I spoke before about the disciplines of scripture, prayer, and meditation and fellowship will fill up that flask of oil for us. It will be that reservoir that we can use as we wait, as we wait. Because, as I said before, we all get tired. We all get tired. And we eagerly await his return. We don't anticipate the temporary. We don't worry at the bad, com- the bad outcome, not the worry. We focus on his return. Hebrews 9.28 says, He will bring salvation to all those who are eagerly Waiting for him. Some things that we can't borrow, as a recap, we can't borrow faith. We can't borrow faith from somebody else. We cannot borrow someone else's character and we cannot borrow someone else's fruit. They're all down to us working with God to reveal them to us. Some things we cannot just put off to the last minute, which is bad news for Paul. <laughs> we cannot put off, some things we just cannot put off to the last minute. And we can miss so much if we're not prepared, if we're not prepared with that reservoir of the Spirit in us. Yeah. So I want to encourage you this morning that, that uh, there's opportunity to do that. There's opportunity to refill that flask this morning. We can spend some time in prayer and refill that flask as we do this journey together. Um, let me pray for you as we finish. Father, we just thank you for your presence through your Holy Spirit in this place this this, this morning. We um, release this time into your hands, Father. We pray that you'll allow people to understand the height and depth and width of your love for them, Father. We pray that those people who come this morning who are dry, Father, that you would grant them and just through your love just allow them to be filled, to be 
that oil come to lubricate, to nourish and to care. Lord, we just release that into this situation this morning, into these people. And we expect as we walk through the world, Father, you be with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.